Hey, good morning. Hey, uh, through technical difficulty, through whatever arises, uh, I just want to say this morning that uh, I appreciate the group of people here that serve at the Driven Church and do everything they do to try to make things happen, to honor God. Uh, Sometimes you run into glitches, but sometimes we run into glitches in our lives and and sometimes there's circumstances that arise that uh, require us to act above and beyond uh, to the aid of a brother or sister. And this morning, uh, through the, the blessing offering, uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. It, it's going to be given to a family that uh, has connections to the church who find themselves in a, in a difficult spot this morning. And so uh, I just want to thank you guys for your generosity and giving to that uh, as we... Uh, Try to be the hands and feet of Jesus to, to love them this morning. And uh, hey, we're, we're in uh, Luke chapter 1. Last week uh, we, had, we had talked about uh, Christmas beginning, you know, and we had, we had stepped away from our study in 1 Thessalonians. We'll, we'll continue that in just a couple weeks into 2 Thessalonians. But last week we were talking about, we, we opened up the, 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 uh, the study in uh, Luke chapter 1 with the uh, physician Luke, the Gentile, writing to a, uh, <clears throat> a Roman, more than likely a Roman official named Theophilus, who means friend of God or lover of God. And uh, he, he gives him this account, a detailed account of uh, the life of Jesus. That's what it's about, and it's to uh, uh, solidify his, his faith and his stance uh, regarding the identity of Jesus in his own life, but he starts with a, a different couple. He doesn't jump into uh, the life of Jesus. He goes back a step. And remember last week we talked about a gentleman by the name of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth who were descendants of Aaron. And Elizabeth and Zechariah, the one thing that we drew out last week's study was the fact that the scripture said that they were very old, right? And they were childless. And what ends up happening, we'll kind of summarize this as quick as we possibly can. What ends up happening, <clears throat> there, there come a time when it was um, the responsibility of the division of Abijah to carry out the responsibilities of the priest. And in that time frame, uh, Zechariah was chosen. He enters into the temple. We know that he's burning uh, incense at the altar of incense, which represents the prayers of the people, right? And uh, an angel appears to him at the right side of the altar of incense, and we know this angel to be Gabriel. Gabriel declares to him that his wife, uh, Elizabeth, was going to have a child. Uh, and uh, he, they were to name this child John, right? Well, if you remember the story, Zechariah has a little shiftiness in his spirit and a little bit of doubt. So the angel Gabriel basically says to him, because you doubted and did not believe, you will remain mute until the duration of this pregnancy and the child is born. Right? That's what he says to him. So he finishes out his responsibilities. He returns home and his wife conceives and the scripture ends with uh, uh, Elizabeth making this declaration of the goodness of God, even in her very old age, 
of the goodness of God and how he had removed her shame from amongst the people. Remember? It was a shame that had been placed on her, not by God, but it was a shame that had been placed on her by the people because she was not able to have children, right? So God removes that. That's where we ended last week. All of a sudden, this thing is going to shift in a different direction, and then it shifts right back to this couple, this very old couple, and we, we talked about last week, uh, most theologians think that they were probably in their 60s or 70s, you know, in between there. So today, to, to you and I, that's not very old, but Luke calls it very old. And so it, it shifts in a different direction, and then it turns right back around, and it comes back. So what we're going to do, and there's always a fear whenever you approach this portion of Scripture, and the fear as a, as a teacher or speaker or preacher is that you're going to get into Scripture that everyone has heard a thousand times and they're going to completely turn you off because they know what the Scripture says. Right? So our endeavor through these few weeks is to look into this Scripture and maybe open up some things, man, that you have read but maybe not understood. And so we're going to begin in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'm going to pray... And then we're just going to work our way through the scripture. I believe, and when Jeff said what he said this morning about the master, I'm like, oh, God, you up to it again. You done, you, he, and you'll know when we get there. Okay? So let's pray, and then we're just going to approach the scripture as Christmas begins, right? right. Father, in Jesus' name, this morning we open up your word. We read through it. We want to understand it. We want to understand what's happening, the scale of what's happening, the impact of what's happening. Understand those involved. And then understand, oh God, your character in all this, your person in all this, and how it changes us and how it affects us. And so, God, help us this morning to honor your word, to teach it with, with an accuracy that brings about your pleasure and your approval. May we rightfully divide it this morning to the benefit of the speaker, the hearer. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 26, okay? Now, how many of you have read this story? Everybody, everybody, you know, if you haven't read it, you had, you've had it read to you. If you've ever watched Charlie Brown's Christmas, you had it read to you, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's, let's look at this. And I, I think you're going to find some application. If you can't find it, maybe you can make it. This morning. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to, a, to Nazareth. You got that? To Nazareth. A town in Galilee. Notice the clarifier of this obscure town, right? You know, he sends him to where? To Nazareth. Well, where's that? In Galilee. You see how Luke is clarifying 
to Theophilus where this town is located because it is an obscure town. Most archaeologists think the town of Nazareth maybe had a population of about 400 people at the most. And it's an obscure town. What you and I would consider to be a one traffic light type of town. I was in a small community last week preaching a funeral. Uh, how many of you know Caneyville? I, I think there's one traffic light. I think there's one traffic. It's a one traffic light type of town is this Nazareth. But there's something really beautiful in this very first verse, man, that we read through it with such speed that we sometimes lose it, okay? And it's this. It's the fact that this same Gabriel who had just shown himself at the temple to who? Zechariah is the same Gabriel now showing up in this obscure town in Galilee called Nazareth. Okay, Trent, what's the application in that? It is the beauty of the character of God that he moves to the benefit of his message and his purpose and his plan. He moves from the church house to your house, right? His agent and his influence shows himself at the temple and then shows himself most likely in the bedroom of your own home, living room of your own home, God desires not just to meet with you here, but to meet with you there, right? Simple application. If you take home nothing else, understand that much this morning, okay? Everybody's on the, on the, on the rails with me. We haven't lost, everybody's on track, right? Okay. And so what, this is what the scripture says. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. First time Luke mentions him. Remember, when we do these studies, we like to kind of acknowledge the first time these names are, are mentioned. I'm not sure that Theophilus knows this name. He knows the name of Jesus. Does he know Joseph? I don't know. Luke tells him his name. He says, to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Important, right? The virgin's name, first time mentioned, was Mary. Was Mary. The angel went to her and said, now this is so wild. Now you can see this playing out with uh, Zachariah, and you can see this playing out with uh, 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 Mary. You'll see this play out later on in the lives of Joseph, or, or, uh, in the lives of Joseph, in his visions as, as God speaks to him. It says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. Now remember, God hasn't spoken in over 400 years. Right? Had not spoken. She doesn't know about the account of Zechariah and Elizabeth. We find this out in just a few moments. So to the best of her knowledge... She is the first person that God has spoken to out of this 400-year period of silence. How in the world would you respond? You've been taught about the prophets. You've been taught about the law. You've been taught about these incredible experiences, the, 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 uh, uh, the, the fire by night and the, the pillar of, uh, of cloud during the day or the pillar of fire. You understand? You've been told all those things. You've been told about the parting of the Red Sea. You've been told all this, but God has been silent, and then all of a sudden he appears to this young virgin lady in a nothing happening, obscure, one traffic light town. 
That's amazing in itself. Kerito, when it says highly favored, it means endowed with grace. And the angel Gabriel says, the Lord is with you. You know what? We too listen, are highly favored, endowed with grace. Kerito, you know why? Because in Jesus, the Lord is with us too. Right? Right? So I, I make these assumptions of how she may respond to the situation. Well, let's find out how she responded. My assumptions doesn't carry as much weight as the scripture does. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. Well, no wonder she says such a thing. 400 years and God chooses to speak to you. Do you ever feel like that? Oh, man, you, you're, you understand how God speaks to Trent, right? Well, Trent's the preacher. God's supposed to speak to him. God's supposed to speak to the people who teach classes. God's supposed to pe- speak to these people and those people. But me, oh, God's not going to speak to me. Who am I? You think this wasn't some of the thoughts? Who am I that God would speak to me? Right? And the angel says this, the negative particle, Do not be afraid. Stop being afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, meaning the Lord saves. In Hebrew, it's Yeshua or Yahshua. In the Greek, it's Isus, right? Isus. And in the Latin and English, it's translated Jesus, right? The Lord saves. You are to call him Jesus. And listen to what the angel says. He will be great. This angel, man, not only is he a name giver, but man, he's a declarer of the attributes and the character of these children that God has called him to declare their birth. Remember what he said about John to Zechariah? Listen to what he says about uh, uh, Jesus to Mary. He will be great. And will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Her response sounds very similar to Zachariah's response. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. Since I am a virgin. Now, what is the difference between Mary's response that doesn't generate a disciplined action from Gabriel and Zachariah's response that did generate discipline? It's quite simple. It's quite simple. And it's this. In Luke chapter 1, verse 20, we find out though Zachariah heard the angel, though Zechariah responded with a similar question, there was something happening in Zechariah's heart that wasn't happening in Mary's heart. The angel Gabriel reveals this about Zechariah. He says, because you did not believe my words. When Mary arrives at the home of Elizabeth, what is said about Mary? Blessed is she who has believed. What is the difference? You and I have lived in the exact same place as both of them. Right? Right? God has spoken to us, Gus, and we believed them. Right? 
And yet we question, well, how, God? And God doesn't find it offensive that we would ask of the method or the way if there's belief and faith in our heart. But there's times that you and I have responded to God when he has revealed something to us with a question born out of a heart of doubt, right? I've done that. You've done that. So immediately, you and I should be able to say this morning, I identify with Zechariah, and I can identify with Mary. Believing things outside of my realm of, or the realm of even being possible, and then doubting those very same things within the same person, right? We've done that. And then the scripture says this. The angel answered, literally gives her the how. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then he says something that's a revelation. Now we don't think it's a revelation because we just read about it. Mary doesn't know this. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. And then the angel says, no, for no word from God will ever fail. Why does God mention this to Mary? Because Mary doesn't know this is happening. She doesn't know. Why doesn't she know? Because the scripture says in verse 24 that after Zechariah's wife Elizabeth became pregnant, she remained in seclusion for five months. She kept it on the down low. She guarded the work of God in her own being. No one knew of this. So in the sixth month, she's coming out. The angel is revealing something to Mary about her condition. And then the angel says this. Says this very, for no word from God will ever fail. And what he was saying is this thing. God's word has come to pass in Elizabeth's life. There's confidence in that. It's literally right before your very eyes. You too can have confidence in the word of God that it will come to pass. It will not fail. What God has told you will not fail. And I'm telling you, and the vast majority of us know this to be true, that God has used his work in the lives of other people to build the confidence of God's work in our own lives. So when Mary is told about Elizabeth and the work that's being done in her life, it's much more believable when it's in play and coming to fruition, and it's much more encouraging to receive the word that God is giving her. Because if God can do it for Jay, he can do it for Trent. If he can do it for Taryn, he can do it for Miss Kathy. If he can do it for Gus, he can do it for Ben, Right? We've all, we've all drawn from the experiences of one another. Listen to this. Listen to this, Jeff. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant. In the Greek, it's the Greek word doule. It's a feminine noun. You know what it means? Slave. You know what Mary's saying? I am the Lord's slave. 
And whatever the master wants, that's what I want. Whatever the master says, that's what I say. Wherever the master leaves, that's where I go. Whatever the master gives, that's what I receive. I'm just a slave to my master, Dulé. Now, I know all of you guys out there are saying, hey, that's, that's Mary. She's a, she's a Dulé. She's, a, fem- that, she's a, 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 a female slave. Well, you know, the apostle Paul says something in Romans chapter 1. He says something like this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Well, that's not the word Dulé because that would be a feminine noun. You know what that word is? Dulos. And you know what that is? A masculine noun meaning slave. So all of us as followers and the children of God are either dule or dulos, meaning we concede and come under the master's will. Now listen, you guys know this. I think I've referenced this before. All of these crazy lights we have up here, all the, there, there's... There's two strings of lights. There's, there's these lights, there's four lights over on this side, or three lights on this side, and there's three lights on this side. These lights here are all daisy chained to what is called a master light. Each side of this stage, pardon me, has a master light. When Clark hits that button, give me a blue, Clark. And this is a, oh, he just sent the message to only two receiving lights, even though six lights changed. He He sent the message to the master light. Every other light is daisy chained to the master light. They are called slave. That's the mode that they're in. They're in the slave mode. So when the master light changes, every slave light changes to be in line with the master light. And so whatever the master light's doing, the slave lights are doing. The problem sometimes for you and I is that we can become disconnected from the master light, right? Right? Two weeks ago, Clark, remember this? I had to replace that light over there. You know why? There was something internally wrong with that light. And when the master light was receiving the message, that light wasn't cooperating. There was something faulty in that light. Even though it was in a slave, it resisted responding to the order of the master light. So you know what I had to do? I had to remove it. I had to replace it. We had to deal with whatever was faulty within that light. The problem comes when we're daisy-chained close to the master and others are connected to us. And then we become disconnected from the master and everything that follows us becomes disconnected. You know what I'm talking about, Dad? When you become disconnected and your children are daisy-chained to you in the spirit, they become disconnected. You know what I'm talking about, Mom? When you're connected and your children are daisy-chained to you, Mom, and you become disconnected, they too become disconnected. 
spiritually speaking. Maybe not immediately, but eventually that plays out. God has called all of us, like Mary, to be doule or doulosis. And what she said to him was this, may your word to me be fulfilled, which means to come into to manifestation or being implying alive, motion, activity. Mary was literally saying, may your word be alive in me. Has there ever been a greater understatement than Mary saying, may your word be alive in me? When in fact the very word was alive in her. Right? Right? Now listen, when I was a young kid, I preface every evil thing I've ever done in my life with. When I was a young kid, right? But when I was a younger, younger kid, we, we used to stay up um, late on Friday nights. We got three channels. You guys know how this works. You got the antenna. You go out there and turn that thing. You got rabbit ears that don't work. Don't ever, that was a, the biggest scandal and fraud of all time. Never worked. You'd manipulate that antenna, you'd get those three channels possibly. And around midnight, after everyone went to sleep, man, you go in and you turn on that TV. And if the, the, the channel hadn't gone off the air, and you guys know what I'm talking about. These people don't know what I'm talking about. These young kids don't know what I mean when I talk about channels going off the air. How many of you all remember channels going off the air, right? And man, about 3 o'clock in the morning, you turn on, it'd be going off, you'd stand up and salute. You'd cross, it'd start playing the national anthem. You know what I'm talking about, right? But I'd stay up, and I would turn on... It was that late night, like fright night, the scary movies. You remember? You remember? Now, there's some names that only the people who are like Zachariah and Elizabeth will remember these names. Uh, uh, names like Lon Chaney, right? Bella Lugosi, right? Boris Karloff. Remember that? Well, listen, there was a book that was written in 1818. I wasn't alive when it was written, but and it was written by an author, a lady by the name of Mary Shelley. Anybody know? Okay. She wrote a book called Frankenstein, right? Well, in 1931, Boris Karloff, there was a movie that was made, black and white, right? And it was one of those movies that would come on late at night, and I'm sitting in her as a child, I'm terrified, chewing my knuckles off. I'm past my nails. I mean, I'm fearful. As an adult, you see it and you think, this is so campy and terrible. Boris Karloff in this movie is Frankenstein. Colin Clive is Victor Frankenstein. But in this movie, there's this one scene that is not in the book, okay? It isn't in the book. So if you go in the book and you're looking for this scene that transferencing, it ain't in the book. It was dramatized in the movie for effect. And so there's this scene where there's witnesses with Colin Clyde, Victor Frankenstein, and they've got this body on a table. They raise the table to the roof. Remember this? The lightning is flashing. Remember the electric boats are going everywhere. As a kid, I'm like, ah! They lower the table down. And Victor Frankenstein, Colin Clive says, it's moving. And then he says, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. 
Oh, I tell such a ridiculous illustration to say to you with the same type of passion and fervor and intensity that Victor Frankenstein uh, presented in that ridiculous uh, depiction in the movie. Oh, what it would be like if we had people looking at our lives, looking at our lives and saying, He's alive! He's alive! He's alive! Oh, that I would be so alive that people would respond to me in such a manner regarding the presence of God working in me. Right? And the scripture says, then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now at this moment, it all becomes real. She's six months pregnant. Can you imagine when she sees her? This is her very old relative. And she walks into her house, she greets her. Oh, goodness. The realness. Oh, how you need God to be real in your life for not just you, but for others. And I believe in that moment. Oh, my goodness. How in the world with her, her, her fuel tank of confidence and encouragement just, I mean, go through the roof when she saw what the angel had already declared to her was happening in her relative's life. And she sees it with her own two eyes. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there's this prophetic declaration. And in a loud voice she proclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. Obviously, this was a revelation, right? Because guess what Mary didn't tell her? Anything that had happened. But being filled with the Spirit, she saw in the Spirit the work of the Spirit and and makes this declaration. Now, I remember, and you guys have heard this, I remember when God was doing a real work in my life as a younger believer. uh, We were here and God was doing some great things. And I remember God saying to me one night, and I told this to Carrie as she was praying for me. And you guys know the story, right? Um, I, I, I told Carrie, I said, God is telling me that he wants to heal the little boy in me from the things that I had experienced as a little boy, right? Right? You with me? I remember, and I told Carrie, I said, uh, with tears running down my face, God, I said, Kara, I know God's saying to me, he's already done all this for me out here, but he's wanting to do something for that little boy that still resides in me. He's wanting to heal that little boy. And I remember we came to church on a Wednesday night to a, I don't know what we were having, worship practice, Bible study. I'm not sure on that given night. And I walked in those two back doors, and I shared this with Chase one day. I walked in those two back doors, and there was a sister who was sitting in that, Narthex, who's gone on to be with the Lord. Now, she was crazy as a June bug. I've already said this. She was crazy. I mean, she was flat crazy. But man, she believed God for big things. I mean, she was out there. Name Patty and Lowe. You know what I'm talking about? 
Patty Lowe has some shaky theology, baby. But she loved God in spite of it. I mean, she was crazy. But she said, she said to me, she said, uh, I think the Lord's given me a word for you, Trent. And I'm like, oh, God. Give me discernment. Lord, I, I come against any evil spirits or any crazy declarations. But I loved her. And she loved me. Flaws and all. And I went to her and I entreated her with a spirit of acceptance. She was my elder. I wanted to be kind to her. I say, Pat, what, what has God given you for me? She said, the Lord has told me to tell you he wants to heal the little boy in you. <laughs> I said, crazy Pat's come through. Oh, and the strength and, and the encouragement that rose up in my being. Not because she had given me a revelation, but because she had given me affirmation of what God had already declared. Mary walks in there. Elizabeth speaks these words over her. And you think that affirmation wasn't life-changing? Was it? My goodness. She said, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. I love Elizabeth, right? She doesn't feel threatened. She can enjoy the work of God in another, and it doesn't diminish the work of God in her life. She too had a child that was blessed. But this isn't a point of argument or contention. She looks at this young Mary and gives Mary everything she needs. Blessed are you among women, even amongst myself, is what she's saying. And it doesn't make God's work in her any less. And blessed is the child you will bear. Oh, man, how we need people in our lives that celebrate the thing God's doing in us and don't resent it. Because this ain't a competition. I'm not trying to outdo you. I'm not, I'm not the better preacher. I'm not the better teacher. I'm not the better husband. I'm not the better anything. I'm just who I am in God, and I can celebrate who you are in God and what you're doing. But the idea in the body sometimes that resentment rises up in us, and it resists, and it even resents. What a sad thing. But Mary and Elizabeth's exchange was different. Elizabeth cheered her on, blessed her and the child. And you know what she doesn't do? She doesn't ramble on about her own blessing. Isn't that something? She's not trying to steal her moment. Hey, I know you've got a cool kid in you, but check it out, six months. Right? That wasn't her, was it? It wasn't necessary. She knew it wasn't necessary. She's filled with the Spirit. If Mary needs to know, she trusts God can tell her. And guess what God had already done? He had already told her. Right? Okay, let's, let's read this. And she says, 
As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, this is kind of deductive reasoning, right? That she immediately knew that Mary had believed. Kind of deductive reasoning. Sometimes we abandon our rationale, the reasoning that God has given us, our sense. Because remember, Zechariah tells her. How do I know he tells her? Well, when the baby's born, it isn't Zechariah who says his name is to be John. It's her, remember? And the only one who knew that, right? Remember that was given to Zechariah, right? So we know there's some communication going on, right? Zechariah comes home, don't talk for nine months. You think he didn't explain to her why that was? The angel explained to him why it was. You think he didn't take something out and say, yeah, I didn't believe. Well, Mary walks in here. The same kind of work going on in her life. She's not mute. Deductive reasoning then suggests what? Well, she was told she believed. There's no discipline in your life. Man, you come in here with the, with, with the prize. And then... This is what happens in Mary. We're just going to read this and close, okay? This is Mary's response to Elizabeth's response to her. And Mary said, after she's been blessed by Elizabeth, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of, my, of the humble state of his servant, of his slave. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. The blessed slave, Dule. I'd rather be a blessed doulos or Dule than free from God with the rewards of the, this world. For now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. I fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I look at Elizabeth, and I think of Elizabeth, and her interaction with Mary results in Mary giving God praise. When we have these interactions with people, what is the result? Are they praising God or cursing God? When they see our life, does it lead them to praise God? Or do they see our lives and they curse and laugh and mock God? May, in my encounters with people, encourage them to respond with praise, right? Verse 56, last verse, short verse. We're taking communion. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home.
She stayed with him for three months. If anybody understood Mary, it would be Elizabeth, right? I mean, who else is she talking to? She ain't talking to Zachariah. He can't talk back. Then again, that might be the perfect person to talk to. But she stays with her for three months. You know what's happening in those first three months? That first menstrual cycle is missed. The re- Man, it starts to get real, don't it? The second one's missed. And she's watching this thing develop in Elizabeth. Seventh month, eighth month. And then the wrestling in her heart and her mind, right? Working through the fears of returning home. It's got to be real, right? Even when God is for us, there's part of us, uh, Kellen, that still has to work through the fear of men. You're just being dishonest intellectually if you say it's, it's not present. Courage can only be exhibited in the face of fear. If there is no fear, there is no courage. You want to be courageous, cur- you know, full of courage? Then fear has got to be part of the equation. What if I return home with a swollen stomach? But even bigger than that, what's Joseph going to say? And who would understand but Elizabeth? And I believe she stayed long enough. Some would debate whether the baby was born or not born, that being John, while she was there or not. And we can debate that. We don't know. But the thing that we do know, and this is the beauty of it, and the lives of those who are dule, and then the lives of those who are dulos, all those fears we wrestle with, all those things that grip our hearts, like, is Joseph going to reject me? God was already working on the other side of that coin. And for the doulays and the douloses, God's always working on the other side of the equation. The side of the equation that your fear rests in. He's always working there, even when you can't see it. And she stayed long enough. Received what was needed. And she returned home to Nazareth. You know, that obscure town in Galilee. And so this morning, you and I, as the Dulays and Duloses, we're going to have an opportunity this morning to make that declaration known when we come up here and we take part in communion. Because what we're really doing this morning, when we take that blood and we take that, the body, the representation of it, and we consume it, you know what we're really doing? We're making a declaration. We men will say, we're douloses. And you women, my sisters, will say, we are douloses. And we live under the direction of the master. 
Oh, Christmas is such a beautiful story. All of it. So I'm going to ask Danny, I'm going to ask Ben if they would come. And Miss Terry. And you guys know the, the route in which we take, right? If you're a visitor this morning, you say, hey, I've only been to the Driven Church. This is my first time. I've only been to TDC three times, four times, five times. I, 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 I'm not a, a member. I don't even belong. I'm just visiting. But if you're in Jesus and you believe in Jesus and you have trusted in Jesus and you're a doule or a doulos, then this is for you. Who am I to withhold this from you? What type of a foolish man would I be to do such a thing to the doulays and the douloses of God? And so what we're going to do this morning, lovers of Jesus are all welcome. We're going to start on the outside, the front rows. We're going to work our way back. We're going to go down the center aisles. When the sides are done, then we'll start at the front and we'll work our way back. And when you guys come up here, you will have two cups in one. You will have the wine or the juice for you who are unstable this morning. I don't want to get you scared. It's, it's. And then in the other cup underneath that will be the bread. And so what I want you to do as a brother or sister, do lay do low, so I just want you to come and receive those elements Return to your seat, and we're going to read some scripture, what the master said to the servants. And then as servants, we're going to honor the master, okay? As a group of bond servants, brothers and sisters in Jesus. Can we do that this morning? Stand with me.